WGBB Sports Talk Flashback. A team that did have a scary offense was the New York Giants back in 2000 when they made the Super Bowl. And the guy who coached them to get them there was Mr. Jim Fossil. And now Jim joins us on Sports Talk 1240. Jim, Jake Brown, Emery Hunt here. Thanks a lot for joining us. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Sunday's the greatest day of the week. You know, you watch all the games. Oh, yeah, of course. And now, now, were you watching your son? Are you in St. Louis right now? Did you watch him today? No, uh, I'm going to watch him next week in Chargers. I was at the 49er game, the Arizona game, and then next week at uh, San Diego. I, I'm mainly hitting the games on the West Coast. Yeah, and your son, I mean, John Fossil, the special teams coordinator of the Rams, did you Did you or anyone else in the world, let's be, let's be honest, did you ever see that coming against a Broncos team that's kind of looked unstoppable this season? No, you know, it's an improving team. I mean, they're very young, and they can put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, that's the main thing. But I, I thought they really, they won on every phase. Their defense put pressure, uh, you know, early in the game when the Broncos always throw those short crossing routes. They defended those, and then, you know, they got pressure on the quarterback. They ran the ball well, and special teams was good, and so, you know, that's what happens. The, the you know, Rams are the surprise team. Don't ever bet against them because they they jump up. They've beaten Seattle. They've beaten 49ers. They've beaten the Denver Broncos. They beat all the good teams. They just got to beat the other teams that are expected to win. Yeah, and how is it as, as a father getting to watch um, your son coach? Is it kind of like a cool, surreal experience for you? Yeah, it really is because he's always wanted to coach and and he worked his way up. I mean, I didn't pull him along. I didn't I didn't use my ability to talk to coaches. He's well respected and he's earned it. And uh he's done a good job and he's made a name for himself. He's not my son, he's his own self uh as as a as a you know, a coach in special teams. And coach, you came up through the ranks uh as far as coaching is concerned and now you said your son did the same thing. And I just wanted to ask a question. You've coached in other leagues. You coached in the UFL, and you've seen the need for development of players. How important is that, again, and also for the development of coaches? Do you think another league is needed? Oh, absolutely. Bill Walsh told me about 20 years ago, you know, and at the end of the day, he's right. I mean, uh, the NFL cuts close to 900 players off the rosters that they took to training camp, which means they thought they had a chance to play. Well, if you cut that many guys, I mean, you can form a great league of good players. You just have to run it right. And so, and I also know for a fact the NFL wants a developmental league. They can train officials. They can look at players develop because a lot of times through all my 20 years with the NFL, there's a lot of guys that come in the league and they're intimidated. But they have the ability. They're just intimidated. They're not themselves. And once they realize I can play in this league, through a developmental league, uh, they become really good players. Do you think it's a big misconception that people say, okay, well, this guy didn't make it into the NFL, he can go to Canada, or he can go into the Arena League? That's not really developing the guy for this NFL game, is it? No, it isn't. And I, I think that, you know, we coaches, scouts, everybody has a prejudice against, well, he didn't make it with this team, but, you know, he played good in the Arena League or the UFL or this or that. And they've already formed an opinion. I still have guys. I mean, Steve Hauschka has been the kicker for Seattle. Graham Gunneau has been a kicker in the in the league. I've got other players that are playing in the league right now. They came in, they developed, they gained their confidence, and they became good players. 
Former Giants head coach Jim Fossil joins us here on Sports Talk 1240 with Jake Brown and Emory Hunt. Um, Jim, what what's the reason do you think that you are not getting that chance now? Now, say say someone, say the Bears or the Giants, if they get rid of their coach, they called you. Do you want to be back in the league if if they gave you a chance right now? Uh, you have to take the right situation. The, mm-hmm. the game's changed so much since I got in it. You know, it, it, it's, yeah. it's totally different. Uh, you know, and uh, people ask me that all the time. Well. You know, I interviewed at jobs twice with the Rams, and twice their coaches last about two years or three years. And then I interviewed at jobs where somebody, the general manager, hired a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was going to go to the Washington Redskins twice. But, you know, one time uh, they got Joe Gibbs to come back, which is understandable, things like that. But, you know, I mean, the NFL is more about connections. I know the guy. I've worked with the guy. So I, I, I can't fault it because George Young, who I'm prejudiced, but I think he's the best general manager in the history of the game, hired me. But he knew me. Uh, he saw my body of work. But he wasn't going to hire me after John Elway uh, when I was there at his best year. In the Oakland, we did good and all that. But he knew me, so he was comfortable. And that's the way it is. When I was in the league, most of the time coaching, most of the, most of the general managers, they were low-level scouts. I don't know him. I had no associate with, association with him. So it, it's just a normal process in the NFL as it is in any business. Now, you mentioned Joe Gibbs replacing you. Let's, let's be real, Jim. Did, did Zorn, did you really think Zorn deserved the job over you? Because I think your resume was a little bit better than Jim Zorn's. Did, did you think you, at that point, you may have got robbed a little bit? Uh, totally. Um, you know, the general manager who got fired by Dan Snyder, um, he talked me into Zorn as a coordinator. I, I put the staff together. I mean, I was putting the staff together over the phone. Joe Bugle's going to stay. Danny Smith's going to stay. We'll keep him. We'll do this. I was doing it over the phone. And then he did his, his uh, behind-the-scenes work and uh, <clears throat> convinced Dan Snyder, who I will say this. I could work for Dan Snyder. I like Dan Snyder. I, I mean, I think he's a passionate owner. And, and I could work for him. Now, a lot of people think, well, you're crazy. I don't believe that. I think I'm a fair judgment of a guy. And uh, he convinced him that, well, Jim Zorn is going to get a head job in a year. Well, why don't we talk to him? Well, then everything fell in place. He pushes Jim Zorn. Jim Zorn was no more ready for that job than the man in the moon. And, Coach, I wanted to ask you a question. You see this a lot, and I have a hard time understanding this, where – you have a guy that's coaching a football team. Just like in college football, you get to go out there and recruit. Um, as far as an NFL coach, would you want a hand in personnel decisions as far as the draft is concerned? Because as a coach, you know what a guy can do for your team and what he can do for you. And to have someone put a guy on your team that may not fit with what you want to do, how tough is that? Well, I think, in my opinion, I don't, I don't agree with if you want me to serve the dinner um, let me shop for the groceries because nobody is right all the time. No coach, no general manager, no player personnel, nobody. We all make mistakes. So what you have to have is a cooperative effort and talk it through. At the end of the day, the coaches, the head coach primarily, but the coaches, they have to tell the scouts what type of player they're looking for and then let the scouts go find that guy. Okay, the scouts should not tell the coach, well, we like this tight end because 
he's big physical. Well, no, we need a pass-receiving tight end. So go and find me one of those guys, and then I'll trust you. You tell me who the best guy uh, that's a pass-receiving tight end that can block, and I'll take him. But don't you guys tell me what fits our personnel. I'll tell you what we need personnel-wise, and then you go find that person. Jim Fossil joins us here on Sports Talk 1240. Jake Brown, Emery Hunt on Long Island's AM 1240 WGBB. Um, do you look at, Jim, um, kind of the NFL transitioning to a younger coaching generation? We're seeing the older guys now kind of lose their mojo. We're seeing like a Harbo and, and all these young coaches kind of taking over. Do you see the NFL kind of transitioning to a younger coaching league at this point? Well, I think that's a mistake. Because I haven't researched it for a while, but if you went back and you said guys on their second job that they've had a lot of success, more success. I mean, Bill Belichick got fired, okay? Now he's the guru of coaching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the point being is, you know, what bothers me is that if a team has a good year, okay, and I, I, I'm not going to name names, okay, but if a coordinator is coaching a Hall of Fame quarterback and they have a good year, well, then people say, well, we got to go get him. Well, wait a minute. Was it him or was that Hall of Fame quarterback? You know? Right. And so, you know, you got, you know, you got Tom Brady, you got Peyton Manning, you know, Drew Brees, all these guys, and, and, and they're going, well, wait a minute. Well, when I had John Elway in Denver and he had his best year, George Young told me, he said, I didn't know if it was you or him. I really didn't know if it was you or him. <laughs> But then when you went to Oakland and Hofstetter had his best year and the offense was good, and then you went to Arizona and you rekindled uh, Boomer Siason's career, who I love Boomer, um, then I could, I, I, I could document it was you. But what happens is a lot of guys that get hired as an assistant, they've just had a great year with a great team as a coordinator. Oh, then he's got to be ready. Well, there's more to it. You've got to give the credit for doing it, but you can't say, well, he just, he's the next guy. Because being a coordinator and being a head coach is a huge leap. So, so in terms of Todd, if you're talking about coordinator, now, Todd Bowles is doing a tremendous job with the Arizona Cardinals. Again, they went today 14-6. to Is he a guy you think that could kind of go from coordinator to head coach uh, this offseason? If I were an owner or a general manager in the position to hire somebody, I would absolutely 100% talk to him. And then I would want to ask him the tough questions. And I would want to see who he's going to have as a staff. Because the first thing is, as a head coach, who are you hiring? Who are your assistants? Okay? Mm-hmm. I like it or I don't like it. All right, what's your philosophy? How do you think this, this organization ought to operate? And then you need to pin him down, and then you do your research. Is he ready to be a head coach? And then, you know, go from there. I mean, he's done a phenomenal job, and today was awesome what he did. But now you got to understand. Plus, the guy has got to be the face of the franchise. And the face of the franchise means he can handle the media, he can handle all the questions, and he can handle the team. If he's a defensive coach like Todd Boyles, okay, well, how does he relate to the offensive guys? How is he going to control the special teams, too? He's no longer just running one side of the ball. He's running three sides of the ball and working with the personnel department. And through questioning and finding out about him and his philosophy, well, then, then you make a choice. And that's a great point right there, Coach. When you look at a guy like yourself, offensive guy, 
tremendous running game, passing game was on point. How hard is it to give away responsibilities? Because now you see some guys, let's say like a Mike McCarthy or a guy that coached under you and, and Sean Payton that wants to, he's the head coach as well as the offensive coordinator. How tough is it to give up that responsibility and allow the coach to coach? Well, I think it's tough. Um, I ran it for the building process that we went through. And uh, I think, I'm prejudiced about it, I think offensive guys have a little bit more of the feel of the whole team than defensive guys do. It doesn't mean that the defensive guy can't do it. I don't mean that at all. But on offense, it's like uh, clock management. Okay, I've said this before. Coordinators, offensive coordinators, come up through the ranks learning how to manage the clock because you're the one that's going to throw. You're going to call timeouts. You're going to get guys out of bounds. You're going to manage the clock in crucial situations, first half into the game. Defensive coaches don't do that. They don't do it. They're just out there, and that's where the mistakes are made. So if you're going to hire a defensive head coach, my point of emphasis to him was, you really have to study and know and be in coordination with your offensive guy how you manage the clock because they don't do it through their whole career. Defensive coordinators don't manage the clock. Offensive coordinators have to be able to manage the clock. And, Coach, do you think it's tough for a young quarterback, let's say a rookie quarterback or a first-year guy to develop under a defensive-minded head coach? Say it again. A, a defensive coach, what now? Do you think Do you think it's tough for a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback, to develop underneath a defensive minded head coach? Cough, cough. Rex Ryan and the New York Jets. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, you know, if you're a defensive background coordinator, you better have a well trained with a background in coaching quarterbacks, and then let him do it. I mean, it's such a it's such a position where there's so many little things that you know, he doesn't understand at all. So you better, it's like me. I'm an offensive guy. My number one hire is a defensive coordinator. If you're a defensive head coach, you better hire a real sharp coordinator and, and let him develop that guy. You know, and the one thing is that Bill Walsh said a lot of years ago, and I think people misinterpreted it, You need a guy that's trained in, if you want to develop a quarterback, that the guy is technologically, he can help this guy fundamentally develop, whether it's how he carries the ball, how he throws the ball, his footwork, his movement. And and, and he says, you need a guy like that. Well, then everybody went to saying, well, I need to hire uh, that guy, and then I'm going to have a coordinator. Okay, Or, or the coordinator is going to coach, you know, too many guys were coaching the quarterback, it had no background in quarterbacks, but they were going to be the offensive coordinator. How do you develop the guy's fundamentals? And people misinterpreted that. They said everybody has to have just a quarterback coach. You don't have to if your coordinator can coach the quarterback. Jim Fossil joining us, and this is awesome because when I first became a football fan, I was a Giants fan, and you were the head coach there when the Giants had success. I want to get into the Giants, but when we're talking about defensive coordinators, obviously Emery's question is basically referring to Rex Ryan of the Jets. What is your take on the situation with Gang Green? Does Rex need to go? Do they need? Obviously, they need a new quarterback. But what's your take on what's going on in the debacle that's been the New York Jets? 
Well, it's hard because I like Rex. Uh, Rex seems like a different guy than what I knew. Uh, and, and guys changed as head coach. You know, and I think he got fined the third time for profanity or gestures to fans and stuff like that. That, that doesn't play well with the fans or the players. It does not. And, you know, as a head coach, the players are looking, are you under control? Or are you out there in space doing crazy stuff? And, and I think that hurts him. I think, I think Rex is a great football mind. Um, who made the choices for the offensive personnel or who's going to play quarterback or, you know, gone through uh, what I think three, I think at least three offensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the side of the ball that he needs to make sure works. That's where you got to spend time, hiring the right coaches, getting the right quarterback, those type of things, because he can handle the defense. And right now, you know, the, the, the flying the ointment's been offense pretty much since he's been there. But I think, I just think the things that are hurting him right now are the comments and saying things, and mm-hmm. he got fined, what, $100,000 by the NFL for yep. vulgar language. I don't think, I mean, it, it plays like, it's great if you're winning because you're out there, but if you're not winning, it's a detriment to the team and the players are going, ah, this is our leader. So, But I like Rex. I think he's a hell of a football mind on defense. In fact, when I was going to go to the Redskins, I was going to try to get him to come with me as a defensive coordinator. So, But do you give, you give Rex the pink slip based on the team's performance, right? He's gone? Well, that's what they're all judged on. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Uh, you know, the, the judgment on head coaches is, are you taking us in the right direction or the wrong direction? And everybody can have an up or a down year. Everybody can. You can't, every time the, the coach has a bad year, <laughs> you can't fire him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there'll be no coaches out there. Don't want anybody to hire. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to make a judgment. And I, I, I think that, you know, as an owner, uh, Woody is going to have to decide, how many good decisions or how many bad decisions? I mean, uh, Geno Smith, who drafted him? Who who wanted him? Who brought him in? Because I think the guy is still questionable. Is, is he a guy? Is he an NFL quarterback? And their their quarterback has been the problem mm-hmm. on offense. Um, I think Jeff Sanchez can be a winning quarterback if you give him the right system and the right players around him and opportunities to win. Then I think I think he can. But he just hasn't worked on that side of the ball. And the owner has to say, how much accountability does he hold that this offense isn't working? I know he's a good defense coordinator. I know that. But I need a head coach that's going to make the offense, the defense, and the special teams better. And, Jim, put put yourself in Rex's shoes. Your GM is $20 million under the salary cap. You have cornerbacks coming off the street. I mean, they could have open tryouts right now and pick up a bum on 34th Street to play cornerback. What's going through your mind as a head coach? Aren't you kind of want to kind of say something bad about the GM at that point? Obviously you can't. But doesn't a lot of this fault have to go on John Idzik for having so much money available and not bringing in talent to give a defensive, defensive-minded defensive head coach no defense? Well, you know, I would hope to think that they're in concert with their decisions. I would hope that. Mm-hmm. If, if they're not, and I own the team, 
and I'm saying my general manager and my head coach don't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. They're arguing about everything. Well, then one of them's got to go. Okay? One of them has to go. If they're in concert and they're making these decisions and they're falling apart, well, then both of them ought to go. If you feel like, well, we're making the right decisions, we're close, we're making progress, well, then let's stick with it. So there's kind of three uh, arrows there, and that's what I would do as an owner. Do I think, do I have confidence that these two guys can work together, and and we've hit a, a rough road in the, in the area of the season? Well, then, all right, I'm going to stick with them. Now, the only thing I'll read that, if we've been stuck on this thing for two, three, four years, well, we're not making any progress on these guys get along with then I'd need to make a change with both. If they don't get along, then you got to pick one of the two and say, you know, if I were, if I owned a team, I, I would tell you this: I'd hire general manager and a head coach, and I say, you guys work because not one of you are going to get fired. You're both going to get fired at the same time, <laughs> or I'm going to extend both of your contracts. One of the two. So you better get along. Now, coach, how hard is it? to sit through a game and, and not want to get out there and coach. Does that coaching bug bite you each and every day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It does. It does. But you know what? I, I, I've said this to people that always talk to me, and I've, I always get calls maybe to go back. You know, And I, I'm passionate about coaching. I love it. But I'm not going to get in a bad situation. I'm not. I got into one of them, and I'll never do it again. It's a headache. <laughs> coaching is a passion and a love. But if you look at it, it's all screwed up, and you're not having fun, it, it, you're going to get out of that job faster than anything, and you're going to do it. And uh, that's kind of what happened to me at Baltimore. What what I agreed with and how we're going to operate didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, What went and wrong there? Why, why didn't the offense thrive in Baltimore? What happened? Why didn't it thrive? Yeah. Well, it didn't, it didn't thrive for... Nine years. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it didn't nine, there's a, no, no quarterback got developed. I think they probably went through nine quarterbacks. And uh, I'm not going to go any further with that, but <laughs> it, it just it wasn't what I was told was going to happen. And, uh, you know, in Brian's tenure, it was, I think there was three coordinators and two offensive line coaches, three offensive or uh, wide receiver coaches, three Running back coaches, it just didn't work. Okay, in any in any manner. Uh, but they played great defense. They played great defense. Jim Fossil joining us, and just I really appreciate you giving us some time here. I'm really enjoying this. Um, take us back because one of the, one of the moments that you probably can't get out of your head, that Giants fans can't get out of your, out of your head, is that 2002 wild card game versus the 49ers. What, what's going through your mind when the receiver is down the field? They call him ineligible, and he really was eligible. I mean, what's, what, what are you thinking at that point? Well, when they threw the flag, I thought, good, they got the call right. <laughs> and then when they announced it over the loudspeaker, the illegal man downfield, I go, what? And, I, you know, I didn't know what to do. I was going to go out there, and the officials exited the field. And, you know, the sad part is the guy that blew the call, is a, is, he's, a, he's a referee, in the league. And, you know, when you make a mistake in the playoffs, we would have gone on, and we were a hot team at the time. And uh, it just stuff happens like that. And as a coach, you just got to live with it. And, 
you know, but it affects a lot of people's careers. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, I've been involved in two of them where unbelievable bad call that set things back. And I will say this: uh, last year I went to the Forty Nine er Ram game out at the Forty Nine ers, and as I'm walking in, I got my passes. I go down the field. The owner of the Forty Nine ers came up to me and he says. Coach, I, I still want to apologize to you. We stole that game from you. You should have. You should have had another opportunity. He gave you thought, a, a steak dinner after that. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, he didn't. But I mean, you kind of realize that. And I was also the offensive coordinator at Stanford in the Stanford Cal game when mm-hmm. they ran through the band. Yikes! Oh wow, that's right. <laughs> and, and, and they blew the calls in. They totally blew it. Now, did we have some problem with it? Yeah, you always do it. I mean, the 49er game, we dropped a touchdown pass with you know, four or five minutes to go, which would have iced it. All right, that, that's on us. But when you get down to it, when the officials blow a call, and not a judgment call, like the, the, the 49er game, that, that was just, it was ridiculous that they made it. They made that decision. I mean, they didn't straighten it out. Mm-hmm. But it cost people their careers. And Stanford, the next year, the head, you know, it was just so devastating, the head coach got fired. You know, and I want one more year, and then then I'm gone. And it, it just there's a smell that stays there, and it takes out a lot of stuff out of you. So, but you and you know, as a coach, you understand it's not a perfect deal. It's not a perfect deal, and there's never a coach that's ever coached that doesn't have a bad season. You know, you know what's interesting is, do you know how many years Tom Landry was the head coach at Dallas Cowboys? Before his record was 500. How many? That's, I mean, that's as many wins as you got many losses, right? Yeah. yeah. Take a guess. Um, six? Ten. Ten, yeah. Wow. Now, All right. I'll, I'll put any money you want on it. Who in the NFL today could last ten years when they finally reach 500? Nobody. Not, you can't. You can't. I mean, Lovey Smith went 10 and 6 and got fired. Well, that's what I'm saying, and, and it's just all about you better do it now. You better get it done now. I mean, it, it, and, and that's and that was in an era where you didn't have free agency. In today's game, they didn't have salary cap. They didn't have free agency. So you pretty much had your team. You didn't lose guys. Okay? You got to draft smart and build. In today's game, I tell you what, the coach can only do so much. But then the capologist and the general manager and the personnel guy and all the evaluations from the coaches and the and the scouts, you could be up and down. You could be up and down. And so, I mean, it makes it harder on the coaches. Coaches get fired after two or three years if they don't come out smoking. Do you guys win the Super Bowl if that call is not made? Were you guys Super Bowl champs? You, 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 which, which call are you talking about? The, the 49er game. You got, they don't call that. You kick the game winning field goal, chippy. Are you guys the Super Bowl champions of 2002? Very good possibility. I mean, we, we were the hottest team going. Mm-hmm. We were the highest scoring team in the league. I, I, that's the year I had to take it back. And it wasn't any genius by my part. We just started playing. We, we would have played Tampa. And I think we could have beaten Tampa. And then we would have met the Raiders in the Super Bowl. But, um, it's hard to say. You never know. I mean, that's why they play the game and everybody watches. You really don't know. How about the Rams today against Denver? Oh, my goodness. I mean, come on. <laughs> so nobody really knows what can happen. But I felt very good. We were healthy, and we were playing good football. 
All right, a couple more before a little rap fire, and then we'll let you go, Jim. 2000, just tell us what happened. I mean, was it the fact that you played one of the great defenses of all time? Were you guys not prepared? What happened with, I mean, Kerry Collins had four picks. What happened in that Super Bowl uh, where you guys got uh, beat down, really? Well, our offense had a hard day. They really had a hard day. And uh, they uh, that is probably... Oh, I would say, I, I, I wouldn't hesitate to say that was the best defense I've ever coached against. I mean, they were hard to run against. They were so big and physical. And uh, when you don't have a run game, it's hard to protect. We really struggled with that defensive line. And they were, all those guys were in their prime. Ray Lewis was in his prime. All of them were in their prime. And uh, I did talk to uh, John Gruden, who was at Oakland at the time, and beat him. And uh, he said, Jim, when you look at the tape, they are so physical, but don't believe the tape as far as their speed and quickness. They are far faster, far quicker than they look on tape. Our guys couldn't handle them. Mm-hmm. All right. And you know what, that year with, with Baltimore, mm-hmm. they had, uh, I think it was five games that they didn't score a touchdown. And they still won. <laughs> right. And and Trent Dilfer is probably one of the. Do you call Trent Dilfer a top three worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl? Because I think so. I'd have to look at all of them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you I, can, I, all you I can know say is it, this. Jim. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, all I know is this: when they made that call against us, which was a bad call, the NFL said it. Mm-hmm. They call that uh, interception by Jesse Armstead back. Brian Billick would have crucified him when he got to the sideline. <laughs> and I don't think Trent could have taken a snap or given the signals because he would have had the head coach down his throat so far that I don't think he would have functioned. <laughs> All right, Jim, before we let you go, a little rapid fire. Just first thing that comes to your mind, just a little quick tidbits uh, when we ask it, who was the best player you ever coached? John Elway. Is Tiki Barber a Hall of Famer? You know, with his numbers and stuff, I would have to put it down. I mean, in my mind, he is. I know he ran into a lot of issues afterwards. Uh, he had terrible timing when he announced about he didn't like Kaufman and all that, and then they went on to win a Super Bowl. As far as my mind, I would, I'd coach Tiki Barber every day in my life. Hmm. Favorite coach that you coached with? Favorite coach that I coached with? Is it John Fox? I mean, he's, he's had a lot of success. Yeah, he has. Um, I'm trying to think of more of the guys that I work for. Mm. Um, I loved work. You know, I was two years with Wade Phillips as a coordinator. Uh, Vince Tobin, I liked him. Um, oh, boy. That's a hard one. Um, just because I have respect for a lot of these guys. I don't I don't have any hate in my heart for him. Yeah. Um, so um, I really enjoyed You know, most of my career, I worked for a defensive head coach. And bottom line, we were successful on offense, and they let me do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it was really fun to, to do that. Um, Paul Wigan I worked for at Stanford. I mean, the guy's a great guy. I'd go to, I'd go to war every day for him. So... You know, and Bill Walsh was a, a big influence on me, um, you know, being at Stanford and right near the 49ers and stuff. So 
It, it, that, that's really a hard one to say. Yeah, I mean, you, Peyton, and Fox is probably one of the great coaching staffs of all time. Would you agree with that? I mean, that's that's a that's a three musketeers. That's a nice little trio right there. Well, I will say this. When I hired John Fox, he had one offer to be a DB coach. Okay? He wasn't going to be a coordinator anywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, George Young questioned me about it. Jim, you know, he got fired at Raiders. He got this, but that, that. I said, George, I like the guy. Okay? Sean Payton was going to go back to college. He could not get a job in the NFL. He was done. He couldn't get an interview in the NFL when I hired him. So he was going back to college. And I really liked Sean because I thought he was a good guy and I could train him to be a coordinator and a play caller and all that stuff because he hadn't done it. You know, he'd only had one year in the NFL as a quality control guy. So he was really green behind the ears. But I liked his attitude. I, I interviewed... Ten coaches for the quarterback job, mm-hmm. and I was running the offense. And I wanted a guy that I thought, you know, this guy sticks with me two, three, four years. He would have the potential to be a coordinator. And then I made him the coordinator after my mom died, and I was worn out and turned the play calling over to him. I was just worn out. It was time probably to pass the baton. And he did a good job. Mm-hmm. Jim Fossil. I mean, I wish we had a two-hour show, Jim, because I could, I could talk to you for days. But unfortunately, we we got to pay the bills and we got to get into a little bit of NFL. But Jim Fossil, former Giants head coach, thanks so much for joining us, Jim, and have a great night. And we will talk soon. Thank you. Anytime. You guys got great questions.